Welcome back to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast with pastor, author, teacher, Dr. Travis Tyler. I'm Zachariah Pugh, and I will be your host for the day. And uh, we kind of took a little bit of a week off. Um, Travis was still recovering from his concussion, and then um, I had some things come up as well. But everybody's doing great. I believe Travis is feeling a lot better, and we are really glad to be back with you today. Um, we're going to tackle um, uh, something very interesting, and it, it, it's 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 timely because we are approaching the Easter season. Um, and the question is, why did Jesus have to die? Couldn't God have just forgiven sin? So this is a really intriguing um, podcast, and we're excited to hear Travis kind of expand on that. So so Travis, without further ado, welcome back, and here we go. Thank you. Uh, before I get started, I would just like to extend uh, Christian love and sympathy to all the victims in the shooting in Nashville, right there yeah. in your town. Uh, yeah. you, Do you know any of the families, Zach? Um, one of the, I do not personally know any of the families, but I do know that one of the victims, the uh, the, the the lady who had, was just subbing there that day, she actually went to uh, our church fellowship Bible church. Um, she didn't. She wasn't a member. She had moved on to another church, but uh, we actually held a vigil um last night at our church because a lot of the members our church is a pretty large church two or three thousand people so they um several of the people knew knew her so you know it's a tragedy um and the loss of life is never a good thing mm-hmm. um just like we're going to talk about today why did jesus have to die you know the, it's All a question right, that people have to ask but um you know god is on the throne there's a heart problem for, with people we know that and um persecution is coming. So, um, the Bible has warned us about all that stuff. Men have heart issues and, uh, persecution's coming and, uh, even Jesus had to die. So, um, you know, you just try to have peace and realizing that, uh, that God is on the throne and he has a plan for all of this, but yes, I appreciate those words. And we've been praying for the families and there's been a lot of outreach and, uh, um, you know, makes me just long for heaven even more you know, uh, to, to, to get off this earth that is so sin filled and demonic in, in a lot of ways. So, well, this question we're examining today, why did Jesus have to die? Couldn't God just go ahead and forgive sins, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, if you spilled a cup of coffee on me, couldn't you just, couldn't I just say, don't worry about it. You know, it's all good. not, not a need to die on a cross if you spill coffee on me, because some folks maybe view their sins on that level. But let's let's just play a little thing here. Imagine for a minute, Zach, that your wife, or imagine that you lied to your wife. All right, okay. So, which I never do. <laughs> Would never ever do that. We're not here to debate that. This is hypothetical. <laughs> uh, she found out about it, and then you think, okay, well, she'll forgive me. You know, uh, she's supposed to, she's married to me. We're in a covenant marriage. Bible right. tells her to at least 70 times seven. So That's she's right. got to do it. Okay. Yeah. I, yes. Fact is, if you never ask her for forgiveness, is she going to believe anything you say anymore? Mm. Probably not. How would that help your relationship with her? If you yeah. ask for forgiveness? Well, asking for forgiveness and maybe confessing that sin would allow her to maybe restart the process of rebuilding trust, right? Mm-hmm. 
what would it would it make it more loving to do so or would she never trust you again if you never asked for forgiveness yes i think it would be more loving to confess and ask for forgiveness and if i never did yes i don't think there would be any trust rebuilt what would be the consequences of ignoring her feelings even if you hurt her uh separation mm -hmm. why ask for forgiveness when the bible says to forgive 70 times 7 for christians right because i love her and i have i sinned against her and i want to be in a right relationship with her yeah i did i get did i get them all right yeah you're doing good it good. might not change the man's relationship from being her husband but it will affect the fellowship that they have with one another and yeah. their relationship will be strained at a minimum, mm -hmm. if not separated. So why couldn't God just forgive our sins without Jesus having to die? Yeah. Right. Uh, why ask for forgiveness from someone uh, when your sins uh, have, you know, our God's, we know God, the Bible tells us God wants to forgive everybody. Why ask for forgiveness? Why Jesus have to die anyway? Couldn't he just sort of, you know, Nah, you're all you're all good, you know, just all accounts forgiven, you know. Um and I think that's a question that people sometimes ask but don't really know how to articulate yeah. well. So we're trying to articulate that. Can you see very good reasons for confessing sin, but also having to pay for the consequences? Because there's one thing to confess a sin, and there's another thing to deal with the consequences of that sin. Yeah, you know, right. you yeah. You may run up a credit card bill right before you got saved and ask for forgiveness. And the Lord may forgive you because you spent that money on, you know, getting drunk and various other um just stuff. Simple just practices. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you're still gonna have to pay off that credit card, even though the Lord's the forgiving you. The consequences remain, you That's know, right. um, of That's the right. sin. So God will forgive our sins, but the consequences of those sins might not disappear like the sins do. Mm. And although hell is never, uh, you know, hell is our destiny without any kind of forgiveness, uh, the reality is we don't uh, take our sin as serious as we should yeah. is the first thing. Yeah. Uh, just remember Jesus is the standard. I think a lot of folks, we want to, this is what I find myself drifting into doing. We want to look around and, well, I'm not as bad as Adolf yeah. Hitler, and I'm not as bad as Joseph Stalin. or Right. You know, if you're on the Trump team, I'm not as bad as Joe Biden. Or if you're on the Biden team, I'm not as bad as Donald Trump. You know, whatever you're comparing yourself to, that relative standard. Or even other Christians, right? Like, yeah, other Christians. Jesus, yeah. Jesus saw the Pharisee who was like, you know, saying, I, I'm not as bad as that tax collector over there. I mean, it could just be somebody, you know, on your, on your level in a way. Mm -hmm. Our standard is Jesus. It's the God man, mm -hmm. which we all fall short in keeping with. That's right. And we even fall and and even if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, that's not my standard and uh, other people aren't my standard. I'm my own standard. Then let me ask you a question. Are you meeting your own standards? And I think if you were honest, unless you got a super low bar of like eating hot dogs beside the lake, <laughs> yeah, you're probably you're not. not meeting your own standards, you know, no. the, all, uh, all, all the, uh, all the, all the, uh, stores and uh, blemish removers and creams and uh, Botox would go out of the way, right? Because you're, you're, not, you're not pretty uh, enough. Something that's fascinating to me right now is I'm noticing in our culture, there's this language and this fairly recent phenomenon of 
the best the best version of me mm. like i'm the best have you have you noticed i have this? i've heard I, that yeah i find it very odd and i find it odd because i don't believe that's obtainable on this side of glory mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know the glorified best version of me won't come until after death burial resurrection with christ well, and technically, so, and technically, when you do research on like how our bodies are are slowly, you know, we're we're slowly getting older and dying. You know, right. like the best it's version odd. of you, I think the best version of like a man, like a man decomposes quicker than a woman, and I think the best version of a man is like at twenty five. Like, so it's impossible. Like, if you're maybe forty years, fi- maybe physically, yeah. Well, but, but I would, yeah, but yeah, mentally. But you're getting, yes, mentally is different, but like, I think that's what people are talking about. They're talking about, oh, I'm going to get rid of these wrinkles or I'm going to color my hair or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to go to the gym and I need to lose yeah. a bunch of weight, which is good. Those are some of those things are good things, but you can certainly, I think I, to, to your point, I think a lot of people have the idol of their looks and obtaining something that's quite frankly impossible because age well. will get you. Yeah, I think there's that. And I think people also mean emotionally healthy and probably yes, spiritually that's true. healthy. That is, that is true. Or maturity. But I would actually argue that, you know, the Bible says the outer man's wasting away. And you just, it's that's, you know, the best version of you is unattainable. Like, yes. you know, when you, ha- you can have aspects of when you're at your peak in certain areas, but you're not going to be peek across the board at the same time. It's just another lie from Satan that you can obtain its works. That's a works based yeah. thought process. Yeah. But back back to the podcast. Back to so, back. We get off on a rabbit trail there. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Um that's what keeps the, about, that's what keeps the viewers and listeners is there are when we go off on rabbit trails. Yeah. Keeps the, the one viewer yeah. we have every Saturday morning. <laughs> we have four. We've got oh, four, four viewers. Okay. Four to sorry. five. Four yeah, of you five. watching us. Hey, in all seriousness, uh, we, we've got, we, we have a few. We have branching actually, out. We have Give us a, a like few. and a share. That's right. And tell all your other friends. We can, if you, with your help, we can double our viewership to eight. <laughs> we've got pretty good. We've, we're doing pretty good, <laughs> Travis. The Lord has right. blessed us. What, what judge. All right. Let's talk about a good judge. Uh, what judge would allow someone to commit a crime? And then just let them go unpunished. You know, I don't think that'd be a very uh, good judge. He Although or she, that's happening a lot today in our yeah, culture. That, that is, that's probably not a great you, illustration. I, you say but, in your you say in your notes, your he or she would not be a judge for very long. Unfortunately, those are the kind of judges that are lasting in our country. Yeah, that you know, it's let's that's another rabbit trail. It's another better, rabbit trail. A better scenario where you know we could actually take power away from corrupt judges. You know, yeah. but anyway. Um, you know, the judge just says, you know, if you, somebody goes to the stand and they were running, you know, 80 miles an hour in a school zone, they killed a teacher and, you know, a bunch of kids or whatever, or killed an old lady, you know, that, that judge can't just look at him and say, oh, don't worry about it. You know, just, you're good. Just you're good. On. Don't you do know, it again. <laughs> yeah. Please. And give me a pinky swear. You know what I mean? That you're not gonna, you know. Uh, I, I found a new show that's fascinating to me, and I I don't know why it's fascinating. I guess I just like weird stuff, but it's called the uh, it's on Netflix about it's about murderers. I am a murderer. Have you seen these? No, I have not. And it is it is fascinating to me. It, they interview these murderers uh, who have killed people and are on death row, and they're just sort of tracing their story back to the beginning, trying to figure out. I guess I guess it's just a documentary on all these different murderers from all over the United States. 
And, um, you know, some of them are remorseful for the crime they committed, but there's some, they were like, if I had a chance, I'd do it all over again. I don't feel one lick of guilt about it. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, that's probably a whole nother podcast on, you know, sometimes we're too quick to forgive people. You know what I mean? If somebody gets murdered and, you know, there's, I remember the shooting in South Carolina in a, a sister church, you know, uh, down there and a white supremacist shot up a, uh, some fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and killed them. And there was a quick, quick forgiveness. And I don't know that that white kid felt any remorse at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. I couldn't tell, but, um, anyway, um, okay. So the judge will have to execute a right righteous judge will have to execute the law for lawbreakers. And, um, that's, that's, this is the issue. And this is the beautiful thing about, you know, we're thinking about the cross right now. We're thinking about Easter. This, this is what had to happen. The, when we're sinning against an eternal holy God, we could not really fulfill the sentence that's there. I mean, when you sin against the eternal, the punishment is eternal. Like you could never pay the debt off. Um, The Apostle John says that sin is the breaking of the law and transgression of the law in 1 John 3, 4. The law of God is intended for our good Mm. because we strive to keep it. We will be blessed, but it also is is, is not the means by which we're saved. You know, Acts 4.12 tells us that Christ is the only way that we are saved. The law shows us where we're sinners and in need of a savior because we cannot possibly keep the law. And it means we are in a bad state, a state of, you know, wrath before God. Yeah. We need mercy and grace. And he does give us his free grace. Ephesians two, eight through nine tells us that, but not until we've been brought to repentance and faith in Christ. And, and here's the thing. This is the beauty of the gospel, and this is what we need to think about on Easter Sunday. God knew that we could not, you know, the the sacrifices of the Old Testament are all looking forward to the coming of Christ. He knew it was not sufficient to pay an eternal debt. Mm. He knew there was only one sacrifice that would be enough. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, for one, for a righteous man, one man may die. He couldn't even, you know, if I wanted to die for your sins, if I lived, you know, close to perfect, maybe you could make an exchange one for one at the human level, but it needs to be something with a little bit more umph to satisfy the wrath and justice of God. And he knew the only thing that would do that was himself. Yeah. Was his own blood. Uh, and that's what we have in the cross. We have the wrath of God and the mercy of God. They kiss, you know, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. And so it had to happen in order for there to be grace and mercy given because the consequences of that sin had to be dealt with. Mm. He, he substituted himself for us. This is where the term substitutionary atonement comes from. God became our substitute and took the wrath he was going to pour out on him, on us, on himself. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's a horrific thing at the same time. Um, that's what, that's what Jesus said in the gospel is, is about Mark 1, 14 through 15. All of us have been found guilty before God. We don't want what we deserve. We don't want what we need and what we need is mercy. Mm. And if God overlooked lawbreakers and just 
you know, swept sins under the carpet, he would not be a just God and he he would not be the God of perfection that we read about in the Bible. Yeah. We know he is because he accepted the most perfect sacrifice, and that is his own son, Jesus Christ. So what if uh, what if I robbed you of all that you had and knowing you were a Christian said, well, Zach has to forgive me. Uh, they're, you know, they're commanded to forgive me. You know, Zach and Elaine, they got to forgive me. They're commanded to. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be wrong still, wouldn't it? It would, it would still be a sin that's not dealt with. And all that sin has to be dealt with one way or another through the bearing of one sin, you know, somebody's got to observe, somebody's got to absorb the cost of all that sin, right? Whether it's you or whether it's me. And in this equation, in the gospel, God himself absorbs the cost of the consequence on the cross. So it's not just a good judge, it's a holy judge, you know? God so desired, God could react to sin, and he could have just said, forget it. I'm just going to pour wrath out on all humanity. And he would be right to do that. If God decided he just wanted to save one person from all humanity, just one person, he would be right to do that and extend mercy there. That's not what God's decided to do in his wisdom. You know, he's decided to save much more than that. The Bible tells us in Revelation, there'll be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So he's saving a people to himself that is eclectic and made up of all different types of people. But the cross is the place where God's wrath and God's mercy meet. And so that makes it necessary. Hmm. That makes it necessary. The cross of Jesus Christ is all about God's holiness. And that seems strange that a place of blood and sacrifice and torture would be all about God's holiness, but the cross answers the question, how can a holy God be reconciled to an unholy people like us? And that that question demands this one response. How, how can the relationship between a holy God and an unholy people be restored without some gross act of injustice? That was the balance that had to be found. Mm. And at the cross, we see just how much God values his holiness. We see that God will not violate his own holiness, even in order to save those he loves dearly. Here at the cross, we see wrath and mercy meet. You see a, both of them in glorious fullness in the display, the ultimate display of God's wrath and the ultimate display of God's mercy. And when we look at the cross and we see Jesus serving the, the just sentence of every sinner that we deserve, there on the cross, Christ experiences physical death so his heart stops beating his body begins to decay he also faces spiritual death right spiritual destruction he is punished by facing the fury of the wrath of god he is punished consciously for sin done in conscious rebellion against god he faces the eternal measure of wrath for sins against all eternal being and, and there's there on the cross he faces the justice and the torture of hell so where is the mercy of the cross all we have to see here is that christ is experiencing all the wrath and no mercy how can i say that this is also where mercy means well christ never sinned so why would a sinless man be suffering god's wrath because he walked into the courtroom 
of the just holy judge. He stood between the judge and the guilty person and said, I will serve the sentence. I will serve his sentence. I will serve her sentence. And he took that person's sin upon himself. He took upon himself sin that was such an extent that he, the Bible tells us he became sin. You know, I got a, I got a ticket one time when I was living in Louisville. Never told you this story. I don't, know. Short. I don't think so. I, I did a rolling stop at uh -oh. a stop sign. It was late okay. for work. Got pulled over, gave me a ticket. I also had the court I had the court date, had to go to court. It's also the day of a, I think, a Hebrew test. And I was a preschool teacher at the time, and one of the kids' dads was a lawyer. And he walked in the court, and they called me Mr. Travis at the time. Oh, Mr. Travis, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, I made a dumb move. Got a daggum rolling stop ticket, and I got to get back to seminary for a test in Hebrew. He's like, let me see that ticket. And uh, he took that ticket, walked up to the judge. I couldn't hear what they said. Judge looked at me and said, Mr. Tyler, please stand. And I stood up and walked over. He said, you're free to go. <laughs> Took care of the ticket. I don't know what he said. Didn't charge me nothing. He just helped me out. I was his kid's preschool teacher. Wonderful thing. That's what you want. You know, when it comes your time to stand at the bench, you know, everybody, I don't know if you've had to be in court waiting on a ticket dispute. You don't want to stand there without an advocate, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's always better to have a lawyer advocate say something for you. Just keep your mouth shut, and then they do all the talking. Same thing in God's courtroom at the end of time. You want that advocate that is there. Poured out the wrath upon Christ. He absorbs it all. And the only thing you're going to get from the Father, the holy just judge, is welcome to the kingdom, you know? Yeah. Um, Christ served the – what's that? Can't wait for that day. Oh, me neither. Christ served that complete sentence of wrath that I deserve. This is the mercy of the cross, the sinless one serving the sentence of the sinner. God tells us about this in 2 Peter 3, 9 through 10. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I know, Zach, you've talked about can't wait till Christ comes back or till I go home. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that still need to hear the gospel. A that's lot right. of folks that still yeah. need Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the heart of the Lord. So he's, he's been patient for 20 generations. Yeah. For sure. He, he has been very patient with us. And, you know, you think of your lost neighbor. If Christ came back today, your lost neighbor would go to hell, mm -hmm. wouldn't they? You know what I mean? Um, so we need to try to have God's heart. We have to pray that way. You know, yeah. I find myself having to push myself that way. So now we see why God has been patient in mercy. God has been patient so that Christ's work could be accomplished and so we could receive faith and become recipients of that work. Christ took the sentence upon himself and experienced more of that patience and that and gave us mercy. We have seen that mercy is expressed in patience and wrath delayed, but now we see that mercy may also be expressed in grace and wrath substituted, wrath transferred to someone else. No wonder then I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, song, Great and Amazing Are Your Deeds, or the song, or Revelation 15, 3 through 5, excuse me. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and mm. glorify your name. For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship you, for your righteousness acts have been revealed. So God's deeds are great and amazing, and God is just and true, and God's righteous acts here they culminate in the cross where Christ sacrifices the 
to the demands of God's justice. And this is what all the Old Testament's the apex of sort of you know human history. This is the wonder of the cross. I mean, really, with Easter coming up, I mean, we all love Christmas. But the reality is, without the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, there is no Christian faith. That's right. It's the hinge point. I mean, really, Easter or Resurrection Sunday, you know, if you're offended by the word Easter, uh, it's it's the it's the Super Bowl Sunday yeah. of the Christian faith. I mean, it is our it is our it should be celebrated as our biggest holiday. The, the the church that I pass, it's not the church I go to, but the church I pass, they you know, they put signs out for Easter, you know, all the churches put out, I'm sure you do. And their sign says the best day ever. Mm. You know, and it is. It's the best day. It yeah. is. It is. I, I, the first one I read it, I was like, eh. but I was like, no. You know what? This is the best. This is the best day ever. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, another kind of point that I'm going to sort of underline is we've talked a little bit about this, but um, for the unbelievers that may be listening or the skeptics that may be listening to right. us. God has been patient with you. Yeah. He is, he is, you are experiencing his patience right now. How do I know that? Because he, because you're still alive. Because <laughs> God has not yet acted in a final judgment way towards you. Uh, what will happen when God's mercy comes to an end? Because that's one thing that happens. Eventually God's mercy runs out yeah. and it's presented presumption. And all that is left is judgment and wrath. But anything good in your life, skeptic because of god's mercy towards you and goodness uh, and and in this we see our call to evangelism right to take this good news of the gospel and the gospel of grace to people who day after day continue to just i mean the revelation romans tells us that people who don't think about this they just presume on god's you know mercy and kindness every day they just presume on it and just kind of like I'm just going to sweep the sidewalk here in Elizabeth and not take in the beauty of the mountains around me. You know, they don't realize the grandeur that surrounds them. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, um, so what and Jesus said, you know, throughout the gospels, if you have ears to hear, let them hear, you know, I mean, he is crying out to us, you know, for sure. Yeah. Another point that this makes the cross points to the reality of hell. Yeah. To ask whether hell exists is to ask if God is truly holy. You don't think God is holy, you don't have a need for a hell. Um, we find that God will be holy and that he is holy, which means he will be just, which means he will punish sin, which means there is a hell. Yeah. It's a place of his wrath, and it must be. It must be this way. In the Old Testament narratives, we see displays after displays of God's patient and mercy and occasional displays of his just wrath, you know. With these stiff-necked people. Yeah. But at the end, <laughs> uh, at the cross, we, uh, we each find a fullness that is there. We see heaven and hell, uh, the heaven of mercy and the hell of wrath at the cross. I don't know if you think of it that way, but it's there. The heaven of righteousness, the hell of unrighteousness. The heaven of God's gracious substitute, the hell of facing justice without an advocate, without any substitute. Hmm. That's what Christ did. And if there is no hell, there is no need for the cross. There's no need for Easter. The cross shows us the depth of our sin and the height of God's holiness. That's why it's so offensive yeah. to God to not 
view your sin the way he does. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's why it's so offensive to people who stand against the gospel. Because it's like, how dare you tell me there's a God who can judge me and tell me what is right and what is wrong? You know, it is, it is, you know, the Bible says that, you know, Christ was a stumbling block and offense to those, you know, and uh, that that's part of the narrative of what happened in Nashville. You know, how dare you tell me that I can't call myself what I want to call myself? You know, whether I want to be, I, I was born a woman, but I'm, I am a man. How dare you tell me that I'm a man? You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Well, we don't have time to get into a transgender episode. Perhaps we'll do another one, but we'll save that one for another day. I, I do believe one thing that's interesting for me though, is this pronoun debate. I'll say one thing about it. Only one person gets to use plural pronouns in the Bible. You know who that is? No. It's God. Yeah, I was going to guess God. but We will make man in our image. Yeah. He is a plural pronoun. So I feel it's a little bit blasphemous for a person to well, it's, use that. You know what? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's in a different skin. But what's the number one from the beginning of time to even today, what is what is idolatry? It's man saying, I am God. I mean, people don't think about it that way, but it's there is a God and he's holy and we're had to have no other gods before him. But anytime we sin, anytime we, you know, we lie or we want to change our body because we want to become a woman, you're saying I'm God. There is no God. I am God and I'm going to do what I want to do. And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's tough. Well, do you, this was very sobering today, you know, just realizing what God had to do to bring us salvation and to, and to crucify his one and only son, um, Jesus on the cross, very sobering. And then the thought process about thought process about hell and the fact that it is real and it's, and we're going to face judgment one day, you know, do you have an advocate? The cross assures us hell is real. Do you have an advocate or do you not have an advocate when you're standing before God, when you're standing in that courtroom one day? So think about that. And if you have questions, if you're sitting there going, man, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on all this. Please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at the faithfully or just faithfully entrusted at gmail.com. Today is a sobering episode. Um, This is life or death. This is the most important thing, you know, because you may get 50, 70, 80, 90, a hundred years here on earth, if you're lucky, um, you're going to face eternity somewhere. So make sure, make sure you've got that buttoned up. God has been patient for 20 centuries, uh, after he crucified, after Jesus was crucified. So let's make sure we're, we're buttoned up. I know you got a nugget for us, Travis. What is it today? Well, I would recommend the book, John Piper, 50 reasons why Jesus came to die. I think he wrote this after the Mel Gibson film came out, you know, where he made that film about the passion of the Christ the passion of the Christ. Yeah. And so Piper said he, he liked how it showed the brutality of the cross, but it didn't, it just showed that it happened. It didn't really answer why did it happen? And that's, that's what right. we're trying to do today. So I'd yeah. recommend that resource as a good Easter resource for anybody cool. looking. So we're going to borrow one from him it says in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That's a big fancy word that just means satisfaction of the wrath of the deity, of our deity God. 
for our sins. If God were not just, there would be no demand for his son to suffer and die. And if God were not loving, there would be no willingness for his son to suffer and die. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you, Travis, for dropping this on us today. And uh, there's we've had a, a, a ton of episodes uh, the last couple of weeks. We were in First Kings. What, what number a, are we on, by the way? Do you know I, what number? I don't. I, I think this is like episode seven, eight, nine, something like that of season two. So we're we're up to we're up to quite a few. I'll look that up and, and have an answer for you next time. But um, no, we've been good. It's been blessed. We've had great listenership. We do appreciate you listening. And and please, like Travis said earlier, share the podcast if it's been a blessing to you. Uh, we'd love for you to share it. And again, faithfully entrusted at gmail.com. If you have prayer, uh, you know, one of the cool things that, that you referenced, Piper, John Piper has a great podcast called Desiring God. And his whole podcast is based off of people just sending in questions. So if you ever have a question or something that you guys want us to address, please send it in. We'd love to do that. We'd love some more uh, interaction than we're getting. But we do appreciate you listening. And you can check out our Facebook page, the fa- Facebook page, the Faithfully Entrusted um facebook page and there's a bunch of information and i always post pastor uh, t's uh sermons there and a couple others and so check that out travis thank you so much for your time today thank you brother we appreciate it for dr travis tyler i'm zach Pugh. join us next time as we open god's word to find out how christ has faithfully entrusted us with his word we will see you again god bless